0: Good evening and welcome to Pop Culture Double Date. We have been on a brief hiatus—actually, not so brief, quite a bit of time hiatus. Um, mainly because, as I think everyone's aware, there's been a bit of a global situation, and um, yeah, there haven't been really that many films released in cinemas. Um, but look, I guess we've all been on Netflix, we've all been on streaming services, and this week we decided to watch a film on Netflix, a film that was exclusive to Netflix, I believe, um, called The Old Guard, and we're going to have a chat about The Old Guard tonight. I'm joined tonight by my usual crew of Gerald, Anaja, Maggie, and myself, Darren, so say hello everyone.
1: Hello! Hi!
0: Howdy everyone! Yeah, so, I mean, Netflix is now basically releasing these sort of, sorts of exclusive films. Um, I think there have been some decent ones. Like, I think we watched the Chris Hemsworth one, which was pretty good. The one yeah. that was basically... Extraction, I want to say, was its name. That was yep. basically was. Call of Duty, the movie, meets John Wick and yeah, Taken. Yeah, it was, it,
2: was, it, was, it was Chris Hemsworth.
0: Kills hundreds of
3: brown people
0: <laughs> in the space of two hours. Yeah, <laughs> culturally sensitive, right? yeah, that's Culturally, yeah. It, is, it was a pretty enjoyable film, i got to say. It wasn't bad. Anyway, but tonight we are talking about Old Guard. So, um, before we get started, let's just set a little bit of context here, right? So, um, we all watch this film basically not really knowing what was going I think this is one of the beautiful things about these sort of exclusive Netflix films. A lot of these films, there's no tr- sort of big trailer or build up to it. Like, most of us when we watch it have no idea what's going on. So it's kind of nice to, once again, sort of go into films not really knowing what to expect or... Um, having expectations about how good or bad it is, right? So, that that's good. Um, but having said that, um, so, The Old Guard is a film with Charlize Theron, and I think I'm going to throw in Mags, because Mags is just going to give a little bit of context about what the general reception of The Old Guard has been. Mags?
1: So, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a overall rating of 81%. Um... 81% for all critics, and a 72% audience score. And according to the summary on Rotten Tomato, and I quote, it says this for the critics' consensus. The Old Guard is occasionally restricted by genre conventions, but director Gina Prince-Bythewood brings a sophisticated vision to the superhero genre and some knockout action sequences led by Charlie Theron.
0: Hmm. Okay, so this is an 80% plus film on Rotten Tomatoes, according to critics, right? So, I, I kind of want to just start this podcast by going around the table and asking whether we agree that this is, this is a film that should be rated that highly. So, um, Mags, given that you started, why don't you just give me a single word answer, yes or no? Do you believe that this is a film that is really that good?
1: No. <laughs> Jerry? Angel?
0: No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Jerry, yeah. eloquent as always, and yes, I would also agree with that. That's a no. So, this is bizarre in some ways, right? Because typically, like, you know, we have some like some, look. We don't always agree with the critics, but we. Um, Yeah, typically I think we can find some sort of compromise, but I can definitely say no as well. I I did not feel like this was a particularly good film. So, um, like, I I think one of the things that we're going to have to work out today in this podcast is why the hell the critics gave it such an insanely high score. And also why it was actually... Because I think in that Rotten Tomatoes score, Mags, this film also rated very highly with the audience as well. So, Mm. I'm scratching my head, to be honest, right? anyway let's let's kind of get started um just a reminder to everyone this is a full spoilers podcast so we will be talking about elements of the plot so if you don't want it spoiled for yourself maybe watch the film first and then come back and listen to us um, but yeah let's why don't we sort of go around the table and give kind of our we already know roughly that we didn't really love this film but why don't we briefly go around the table and talk about what what it was about this film that really Practice, right? What, what was it that made this film not particularly enjoyable? Um who wants to shoot first?
3: I might as well. Um so we should say that we listened to a in terms of why everybody loves it, we did listen to a podcast by our favorite podcasters. Who are they?
1: Slashfilm.com.
3: Slashfilm.com. I'm not a good with names. film.com. Um and they pointed out that it's meant to be about the immigrant experience or about Sort of people of color and how they're treated in you know, as minorities, and so you know you, you basically you're fighting for your lives all the time, or you're no no you get cut a lot. Wow, I've explained that well. You know how you just get sort of bruised and you get cut and you get you know shot down, and then you, you just have to recover from that and you have to keep fighting. But I actually think. Chumba Chumbawamba has already dealt with that. <laughs> a song that said, you get knocked down, but you get up again, you're never going to keep me down. I don't think we needed like this movie to say the exact same thing that Chumbawamba said many years ago. <laughs> now, in terms of why I didn't like it, <laughs> I, also wanted, oh, I also want to say there is a preview of this film on Netflix, and the preview is better than the movie. It's oh. a very... The very annoying thing about the preview is that it spoils the fact like it spoils the fact that they can't die, which actually is really bad because that scene where they all get completely massacred is really moving if you don't know that it's coming, right? Because you're not expecting your heroes to be like shot like that and they are shot so badly that there's no suspicion in your mind that they're going to survive. And this does not seem like a supernatural movie or a superhero movie. It just seems like an action movie. So you, no way are you expecting them to get up again. So it would have been amazing, right? If if you know we had seen that for the first time in the movie instead of in the trailer. So
0: <laughs> yeah, especially
3: yeah. if the Chumbawamba song had also <laughs> <changed> been <back then. laughs> that would have totally been
0: perfect, perfectly. Right,
3: right. They're king <laughs> failing. So The reason I didn't like it is um, just really two basic things. The plot was really simple and boring and not about anything of great importance or, you know, anything moving. And number two, just to put it really succinctly, you have it, Charlize. On in this movie, and you have a double-headed axe and you have ancient swords. Like, why why are you not keeping the axe coming? Like, why are there only like a couple of really good action scenes followed by just like ages and ages of just boring? Stuff? Like, it should be action scene after action scene. It should be hand-to-hand combat. Like, I don't I don't understand. It's like having a secret weapon and just never using it, even though you're being attacked all the time. Like, don't do
0: that. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I think I think the first, the opening action scene is actually really good. I, I watched that scene and I turned around to Max and was like, oh, this is going to be pretty good, I think. Because that opening action scene, the one actually where they all get shot shot down and then they get back up and they massacre that room full of people... Yeah, that that was a really well-filmed scene, I thought. It was exciting, and it was like, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a really cool film. And then, you're Mm. right, the plot of this film, which, look, let's just give a quick overview, right? Like, so the plot of this film is basically about a bunch of four immortals, and then they find a fifth one. So there's a bunch of four immortals. This pharmaceutical company wants to capture them. They find a fifth one. The pharmaceutical company captures two of them, and then they go and rescue the two of them. But then they turn. It turns out that one of the immortals is betraying them because he wants to help the pharmaceutical company find out how they can die or whatever it is. But then anyway, they kill everybody in the pharmaceutical company, um, and that's it. That's a decent summary of this film, right? Like, am I missing anything, really? Anyway, that's about it. Does yeah. D- I don't think you've adequately captured just how lame
2: the villain is.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, so Jerry, why don't we segue to you, Jerry? W- uh, th-
2: I mean, this 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 villain has to be the lamest villain in an action movie uh, for quite a while. I mean, he is he's this complete dead shit farmer bro. <laughs> so he's meant to be some sort of British Martin Shkreli, but like he's so one dimensional. He wears. A hoodie under his suit. What a wanker! And like he's just completely lame. He, 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 he is. He has no. He has no skills to speak of. He dies a punk's death, and and he's just not very. He's neither menacing, nor particularly. Nor is he particularly evil. He's just kind of self-absorbed and wanting to monetize um, a potential cure for death. I mean, he's not actually. I mean, there could have been something interesting about a villain who wanted to to cure death by basically torturing these immortals and finding what it is about them that allows them to escape the grasp of death, but the movie doesn't do anything with that because it makes him so one-dimensional, so that's problematic.
0: Yeah, look, and, agreed, right? Like, because really, there's a whole question there. There's there's an interesting question of whether the means justifies the ends, right? Like, yeah. does torturing someone in order to extract a benefit for all of humanity actually, is that justified, right? But you're right, they don't really explore that at all. And he is just this cardboard cutout of a bad guy, right? Who's yeah. just cruel and, like, loves money, and that's it. Anyway, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, like... I'm sorry,
2: but I don't get this notion that the film is some form of allegorical exploration of the immigrant or minority experience. This is a film that's led by a tall, white, South African woman. I'm sorry, but like, if this is somehow meant to, 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 to suggest what it's like to be a minority in a world where you have to, you have to fight for every scrap, that is complete utter nonsense, the only character of color in the movie is Nile Freeman, who's played by Kiki Jones, um, who, by the way, like is just a lame and ugly, uninteresting character. Then there are the two the the two members of the crew who are who are same sex lovers, um, which is which they do nothing with except for give one of them an elo- an eloquent declaration of love when they've been captured. Which, yes, it's quite eloquent, but is wasted on being in a really shitty movie. So so I found that all frustrating. Not a single character was particularly engaging. And as for the action, I mean, I didn't find the first action scene particularly good myself. I, I, I thought Charlize Theron, as always, brings a great physicality to her action roles. She is actually, I think, an unsung great action star. Hmm. And her moves in the hand-to-hand combat scenes were all pretty amazing. I mean... Th- I think I think some of her some of her moves in this movie, like had the movie been more interesting and better shot, are the equal of if not better than um, the fight scenes that she was in in Atomic Blonde. But the actual sort of staging, like choreography, fight choreography aside, the actual staging of the action scenes was so uninteresting. Not a single interesting thing happened in the action scenes. We didn't see anything new. We didn't see anything, it wasn't particularly frenetic, we didn't see anything new, we didn't see balletic action in the manner of John Wick or anything else, so by the time the movie had sort of reached its second act, I had, I think, well and truly kind of checked out, because there was nothing here. It was a complete nothing burger of a film. And I think the fact that that it's getting all this praise lavished on it is a testament to how, in the era of COVID-19, People are just starving for content, for new content of any sort, and standards have accordingly been lowered. Because I, I don't think there's any other explanation for the for the close to rapturous reception that this film has uh, has got.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I I, I think. I'll be honest, I did not know about this theory about this film being... Look, I completely agree that this film being an allegory for the immigrant experience is a joke. They're like, this is ridiculous that they would even bring this up, right? It's like an art school student, like, basically scrawled something the night before they had it in an assignment, and then, like, made something up on the spot in order to justify it to their teacher, right? Like, it, it, it's, it it's... For me, like, really... Potentially, the only explanation for why critics love this is that there is sort of this activist portion of critical media that kind of drinks its own kool aid, right? So potentially because of that. But anyway, let's let's move on. Um, Mags, what were your what were your <coughs> thoughts?
1: Um. So I also found the movie quite boring and the plot quite simplistic. I thought the characters were very one-dimensional as well, and also the relationships between the characters. I think there was a lot of um, attempt to build depth to both the characters and their relationships through kind of exposition, but it wasn't very convincing at all. Um, And Charlize Theron's character in particular, you think, you know, there's this woman, Andy, who's been around for thousands of years. She's meant to be incredibly wise, gone through, you know, all the major events of history and been you know played a pivotal role, an influential role in human history. And yet she doesn't seem wise at all in the way that they portray her. Um, and she has this kind of negative pessimistic view of humanity in the world, and that's somehow meant to be inspiring, which I found quite strange. Um, and like you think about a character like Yoda, for example, who's a warrior, very old, obviously looks totally different to Charlie Theron, and yet he comes across more convincingly as a wise old warrior than her character does. So I thought that was quite a, a massive missed opportunity there. Um, I actually liked the ac- action sequences. I agree with Anija. There were few and far between. They should have done a lot more. Um, that would have definitely helped the movie. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is Reading through some of the articles on the internet, it seems like a sequel is in works, and the way that the movie ended indicated that as well. Um, I don't know how I would feel watching the sequel, um, but maybe that's something we could talk about later.
0: Mm. Okay, look, Mags, I kind of want to unpack some of the stuff that you said because I think, like I, I definitely agree with you in terms of like for me, the two major sins of this film are one that, so. Okay, and I, I think they're linked, right? So the characters and um, the exposition, right? So let's talk about this exposition thing first, right? Because I 100% agree with this this idea that this film is... Like, we have talked a lot about this in Westworld, I think, but, like, I don't know what it is, right? But recently we've watched a lot of media where instead of characters showing you who they are through their interactions, they say it to you through exposition, and then their actions are just, like, inconsequential, essentially, to their character, right? And I felt like this was... This absolutely happens in this film, because, as Jerry says, there's a same-sex, like, um, these two guys who apparently met, met during the Crusades, who are, like, the loves of each other's lives, but, like... All it is, is, like, how do we as the audience really get the sense that they're so connected together? You don't really get that sense, because all you see is that the guy makes one big speech, like this sort of soliloquy when he's in this... captured in this van, but that's it, right? Like, you don't really see that much of the interaction outside... outside. You don't really see how they care for each other, how they kind of, like, have a genuine relationship with each other, right? The film doesn't really even attempt that. And, look, maybe it's not meant to because it's an action film but I mean I think it pretends that it's trying to like have these sort of sorts of deep character re- relationships and it just doesn't succeed because it's purely told through exposition um, I think the other sort of um, sort of major sin here is like uh, just the characters themselves right so these are meant to be characters who are like in some cases thousands of years old so for me, As much as I enjoy Charlize Theron as an action star, I think she's pretty decent, right? But I think this character that she was given, Andy, is a joke, right? Because it feels like she is... She says that she's a 1,000- or 2,000-year-old warrior woman, but she feels like an emo teenager, right? Right down to the fact that she has, that the emo-like sort of black hair that is, like... And the hair that covers her eyes, right? The way she acts in this film... And what she says during this film makes her feel like a teenager, right? She doesn't feel like a wise, thousand-year-old person. She feels like completely agree. Yeah. So I mean, like a a great example, a great yeah, a great example of this is kind of her um, just the way she approaches all of the battles in this film, right? Literally, every time she gets into a conflict, she just goes, Don't worry about it, guys. I'll just do it myself. You guys are useless. I'll just go out and do it myself, right? She does this, like, so many times, right? And you're thinking to yourself, this is a thousand-year-old woman who has clearly had to go through a bunch of adversity, yet everything she does, she does this sort of emo turn and kind of just is like, I'm so good that I'll just do everything by myself.
3: And even at the end, when she loses her immortality and she still wants to lead things, I'm like, aren't you wise enough to not have to have an ego complex?
0: Yeah, it's just... It, it's bizarre. Mm, exactly. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a teenager's. It's a it's the way a teenager would do things, or it's what a teenager thinks would be cool. But like, if you really are a thousand years old, there's no way you would act like that, right? And then the other thing is that in, throughout the entire film, all she does is sit there and like brood essentially right like she just sits in the corner Is like you know people ask herself it's like no it's like too painful for me to talk about or you wouldn't understand like do you know what I mean like her entire story is ter- told essentially through like third parties because she never says anything because she's basically too cool to tell anybody about her backstory right like, like
2: dad does i would totally get it if after having lived this long she, was, she had seen so much of how bad humanity can be. She was just a bit over life, and she had a death wish and was quite willing, now that she had lost her immortality, to die, to just get it over and done with, and, be, and, and to call time on her existence. I could get that, and that might be an interesting um, feature if it had been developed as part of her character. It, the idea of a, a superhero who has lived for so long, seen so much endured so much um, that she has become thoroughly jaded broken by the depravity of humanity and having lost her immortality, wants to die that would actually be a potentially very interesting story but there is not a single hint of that in this movie instead, as you say we just get um, an extremely petulant um, self-absorbed yes, (laughs) broody um, yes a glorified
0: 16 year old girl and it's very frustrating yeah look, i was gonna say 16 year old boy because the way she acts is like even though she's a woman like i've gone to a lot of high school with a lot of kids who are kind of like that right so it's like a lot of boys who are like who are, who are like you know i'm like just so awesome and i don't need any help and I'm just going to brood all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, and so linked to what Gerald just said, the thing that actually really gets me about this is that she she keeps talking about how humanity is so broken and she's seen so much and, like, life is so, like, people are irredeemable right? like That's kind of one of the themes of this film that like people are so irredeemable but if you actually stop and think about things a little bit she was apparently a Scythian warrior woman which means that she would have been alive during the time of the rise of the Roman uh, uh, Empire right? Which means that she would have been around like around 0 BC maybe before 0 BC right? Where like slavery was a thing just just General warfare was a thing. People just dying, like, before the age of 30, it's, it's pretty normal, right? So for someone like that to say, actually, we haven't progressed at all, we're just as bad. Like, is she blind? Like, what is she, what is going on? Right? And did she not see that, like, we've got modern side? Like, yeah, we have problems now, but, like... Can anybody really say that we were as bad as when we were in 0 BC? Like, what the hell? Like, I don't get this. I absolutely don't get it. So this this feels like it was written by someone who doesn't really have a... Like, there's no way this character could be a thousand-year-old person because a thousand-year-old person would have a firmer grasp on really the progress that humanity has made over the last thousand years. Anyway, sorry, Jerry. I, were you, you were going to say something?
2: No, no, I think I think I I think I'd more or less finished the point, point. Um, and so yeah, you, you do get you do get this unexplained cynicism in her character, which I think if there had been more development, if there had been more backstory, I mean this is this is the amazing thing about her character. <clears throat> she's a thousand year, she's a, at least a two thousand year old character, who seemingly has no backstory it's mm. so completely and utterly paradoxical.
1: Um, yeah, exactly.
2: She refuses to explain where she comes from and she she refuses and the writers refuse to hint at anything in a past experience that informs the way that she is now. So the cynicism in the character is completely inexplicable. Now, the the movie has this arc where she is disabused of, of her cynicism because at the end Chiwetel Ejiofor shows her on his on his on his big board yeah, um, yeah. All, all all the all the good things that that <laughs> the people she saved over time have done, and off the back of that she finds this renewed sense of purpose and uh and an and a, and, an, and an appreciation for you know the, the the fact that humanity is potentially redeemable. I mean, really. It, it, <laughs> 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 it, it, it takes it takes it takes of bloody photo board to completely change the mindset of a two thousand year old character. Uh, uh, it, the, yeah, just putting it in those terms reveals that particular trajectory for just how absurd it is, and um, and it, it's just thoroughly frustrating. Um, and you know we. I suppose she's meant to be kind of unknowable and the character of Nile Freeman, the new immortal is kind of a, kind of an audience surrogate who, who sort of is our, is our entry point into the world of, of the old guard. But I think the problem with this movie is that Nile Freeman is just so boring that and such a nothing character that um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I did not want to identify with her at all because um she she was just utterly disengaging there was a there was a moment of potential of potential, when things could have been potentially interesting when she realizes the extent of her power and the extent to which it will isolate her from others because there is that theme in this movie that each of these people having having discovered their immortality has become really isolated from their loved ones and from others um, but that 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 theme isn't really developed. Um, in any sort of depth,
0: um,
2: and it's it's sort of picked up on from time to time and dropped. There was another interesting moment when, having having shot someone, just before she's killed for the first time, she finds that she she discovers that she's actually not a killer. She's been trained to kill. She's got all the skills to kill, but, but she's not a killer because the moral weight of taking life is too much for her to deal with, and. And it's it was a that was a potentially interesting plot point and character point. But Then, like five minutes later, she just massacres an entire building. Like, yeah, everywhere. or private security
0: <laughs> guards, in the, in the right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, like, they could
1: have done a lot more to like because the superhero movies we're used to superheroes um, are like the comic book type of superhero. Whereas here, they could have talked about you know what it means to become a superhero from being human and and kind of do a bit more of that contrast. Um, But they didn't do that at all. It just, they were, and then they weren't. Yeah. And then they did. (laughs) It's, it's,
0: I mean, Jerry, like Jerry's point around how, like for me, one of the big, for me, where the film really started to fall apart was actually when, um, Mal Freeman's character got introduced, because what I didn't understand was why her friends instantly viewed her with such fear, right? Mm -hmm. I I didn't understand that, right? Because they thought that she was dead, and then the doctors, like, I mean, if you were kind of there with all this stuff happening, like, why it's like, oh, so your friend came back, and... She managed to, like, survive this sort of what you thought was a fatal injury. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Why is her, Why do her friends naturally see it with suspicion? It's really weird to me, right? It was like a really weird... weird. Really? Yeah, I found really? that... because no, so, Say if someone, like, slit Gerald's throat to the
3: point where it's clear he's dead, right? Because the blood is just gushing out and he's yeah. basically just fading away in my arms. And then, like, two hours later, like, there's no wound on his neck. I would be a little bit like, oh, zombie! No, no, no! something
0: <laughs> But w- wouldn't it, wouldn't it be more like, what did the doctors do here? Right? What sort of miracle procedure did they do? Anyway, maybe. Look, yeah, maybe true, true. Good
3: yeah. point. Why yeah. not even question that? Like, why not go talk to the doctors rather than what's wrong with
0: you? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I, I guess the other point is that the way she kind of just like they make this thing about she doesn't really accept this new life, but then she just basically instantly <laughs> accepts this new life and gives up on her family and whatever. It's like... Isn't that a bit weird? Like, it's bizarre, mm. right? Like, anyway... Mm. um, mm. It's very chompy, right? Chop, 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 chop. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is where it kind of stops being like a... Like, it kind of just becomes a just another sort of dumb action film, right? And when you're just going to be a dumb action film, then the way you're judged is different, right? You can't kind of have it both ways, kind of go, "Oh, I'm actually really deep and try to say something, but then, actually, whenever you say something, you sound like an idiot. So then, if that's going to happen, then I'm going to judge you like I judge Venom, right? But Venom was a much more in- entertaining film for, for all its flaws. So, um... Yeah, anyway, that's... yeah. Um... What else was I going to say about this film? Um,
1: I totally forgot about our villain, non-villain.
0: Yeah, um, Dudley Dursley, yeah. I might add. Did you oh, know that guy was right. Dudley Dursley?
1: Yeah. Who's that? Oh, Dudley from... from...
0: Harry no. Potter. Uh, Harry Potter. Yes.
3: No, well, that would make it...
0: But he lost weight. He lost... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Opportunity to... stopped giving him a cake every day of his life. <laughs> So it is, eh? Yeah, That's it amazing. is. He's well, you know, he's actually a legit... So I don't know if you guys have seen the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, it was no. also a Netflix film.
2: This is the uh, this is the Cohen brothers. Yeah, mm,
0: I, I really exactly. enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, right? But um, he is in the Ballad of Buster. He's been one of the short stories in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and he is awesome in it, right? But he was clearly given a dud role. Like, he he was just given this, like, this joke of a role here, right? So, yeah, as a villain, he was a nothing. It, it, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about this um, betrayal that happens? Like, I, I think the suspense of this, well, is, is it suspense? The uh, Did you guys... The, pick the, betrayal.
3: the betrayal wasn't that interesting. We can talk about it, but can I or just, before we do that, say, I don't understand. You know that other woman... Like that vampire like thing where she gets like, locked into a coffin and thrown into the ocean.
0: The yeah. World- oh, yeah. The Iron Maiden. She gets locked in the Iron Maiden or whatever it is. Iron right? Maiden, exactly. Yeah.
3: So, like, her and Andromache, is it Andromache?
0: Andromache.
3: Andromache have been together for like a thousand, two thousand <laughs> years, right? So they're pretty close. Yeah, they're good friends. And, like, Gerald and I have only been together for 12. And, like, if someone put him in an Iron Maiden, and threw him into the ocean, and we were both immortals, I would spend at least three or four years mate, <laughs> before,
1: <laughs> before you moved on, yeah. You, you were trying to find him. the right ratio. <laughs> <laughs> I do know
3: I'd if you t- found the right I'd, ratio I'd, there. <laughs> I would search for him until I found him, and I would have the time to do that. So, what the hell?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does feel kind of bizarre, but I guess someone else found her, right? So, and so, yeah, anyway, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was anyone really surprised by the twist that, like, what was the net guy's name, the Civil War guy? Cooper, was that his name? What was his Booker, name? Booker, 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 Booker. Was anyone surprised that Booker was the traitor here?
1: No. No. I also didn't care. Yeah! Because yeah. <laughs> it, like... It? It just I, felt, know, I like just felt development in the boring plot. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like, finally, something happened.
0: Yeah, but then it, instantly he was like, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I, I shouldn't have betrayed you. It's like, okay. And then... Who... What did you think of the punishment? A hundred years alone.
1: Okay. Like, you know. <laughs> it was like, it's like... It's like, it, what,
2: what was weird about that was a um, hundred years alone. But like, you know, go out there, make some friends, dude. Like, <laughs> but what about Copley's betrayal? Like, they punish. Yeah, yeah they'll grow old and die. So make some other friends.
3: Like, <laughs> like what, what is
0: the I problem? like a true
2: Asian
3: dad. can I say? A hundred years for someone who can live for 2,000 plus. That's like what, like a three-year j- jail term? Like,
0: it's just—it's just like you know, go to the court, sit in the corner for a week. But, but look, like, that's, that's
2: funny. <laughs> but the thing is, he he's completely broken by it because the next time we see him in the in the in the mid-credit <laughs> stinger,
0: he's become this sort of like shaggy guilty. shaggy alcoholic, and you're like, he
2: feels guilty, and you're like.
0: Dude. Yeah, but wasn't it implied that they rarely saw each other anyway? They only saw each other when they did these covert missions or whatever it is? He felt guilty. That was his punishment. Yeah. But then, okay, so what I don't get is that, so Copley, the conspiracy theorist guy, right, who basically set all of this up, he gets away scot-free. Like, he gets no... (laughs) He's... (laughs) He becomes becomes their Q. Yeah, but okay, let's think about what he actually did, right? He set up a room full of private security guards that he knew was just going to get murdered. Either those four people were Mm. innocent people who were going to get murdered by private security guards, or a room of 20 private security guards were going to get murdered. And he was okay with that. No issue Mm. with that at all, right? It's like... (laughs) If you think about this, and then... uh... (laughs) And then in the end of the film, he turns out to be some sort of arch-humanitarian. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. You can figure out if they're immortal without having to massacre an entire room of security guards, dude. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I yeah.
2: uh, thought, yeah, that was a particularly sort of, yeah, dumb dumb plan for, for obtaining proof of their immortality. Um, but, and, and, and like, like, those, those, that, those mercenaries like, who turn their backs on the old. Yeah. Back. And what were, they, what were they doing? They were just turning their backs and like, slapping each other on the back and congratulating well, themselves. I'm not
3: noticing the movement in your peripheral vision, and you're meant to be like Kikar's assassins? Yeah. That's your peripheral vision. <laughs> what,
1: what, 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 Surely what they would have been brief that they were immortal. You don't know what me? I, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, like, okay. I mean? They're immortal, dude. They're going to resurrect. Well, seemingly
2: not. Because, I mean, who would take the job, right? Like, Hey guys, you're meant to. You're going to be locked up in this room with a bunch of really scary immortal people. Uh, your job is to kill them. Good luck. Um, I don't think anyone would take that deal. But um, so obviously, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. As, and as you say, Maggie, he ends up becoming their Bosley, and you're
1: like, what? Yeah. Yeah, Mike, it just makes no sense. Yeah, he was. And really... then,
0: yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, and then the, like he, the actor, I can't remember his name, who is an incredibly talented actor. the was yeah, the only real acting he gets to do is when he tells them, I think, two different sets of people, the sob story about his wife dying. And that's the reason why, that's his whole rationale for this whole plot and all the death, because he wants to find a cure so that people don't have to suffer the way he suffered when his wife died. I mean, that that would be quite noble, if he hadn't done that
0: entire <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he hadn't just sacrificed. It. Of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah. this this is a. I actually think there is the kernel of a really good idea here, and in fact, like when I first watched this, like at first I was like, "Is this actually?" Because you know, do you remember on net Netflix released? Um, no, was that right? What was the what was the Mary Elizabeth Winstead film that ended up being linked to the Cloverfield film. Oh, do you a, remember
2: this? A Cloverfield, yeah,
0: A Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, or A Cloverfield, Cloverfield
2: Lane.
0: Or, or, yeah, oh, I forget. Anyway, so, the
2: one with John Goodman. Yeah,
0: that was a film that was basically about a kidnapping, right, or like, it's a psychological thriller about a kidnapping, but then it ended up being set in the Cloverfield universe, right, which was, it didn't, yes. that was neither here nor there, but it was like, okay, that's cool. Right? I, I thought this film was actually like that, but this was going to be set in as, like, a Highlander thing, right? Because it was just like, the premise of this is basically Highlander. <laughs> like, in fact, when I described this film to Mags' sister, she was like, oh, so is this Highlander? It's was like, yeah, like, it, it's basically kind of Highlander, only that they, there's there's not just only one. They've learned to live together instead of, like, having to, like, kill each other in this sort of duel every hundred years or whatever it is, right? So, I, I thought there were franchise chops in this. I thought that the central idea was interesting and that... But I just... Again, I, I felt like it was executed in such a ham-fisted way, in such a puerile, juvenile way that, um... Yeah. Just... was Like... I mean, we've talked about the kernels of interesting ideas here, right? Where you have a genuine discussion about means versus the ends, right? You have a genuine discussion about um, the degree of human progress through the ages, right? But none of that is really explored, not even sort of, yeah, none of that is really explored, right? So instead, you just get like childish high schooler exposition and sort of, Mildly passable, maybe not passable action scenes, and not enough action. Right? So, for me, like because of that, this film just did not work at all. Um. So, um, is there anything else we want to talk about this film in particular? Because I kind of want to move on to a sort of um, a sort of tangential subject quickly. Anything else we kind of want to add here?
3: No. Nope. Um,
0: Okay, so the thing that I want to talk about was what do you guys think of um, the whole Netflix movie experience? Are we, like... Do you find that, like... Do you think you would have enjoyed this film more if it was in the cinemas? For sure. For sure?
3: Only if it was Gold Class and I had some alcohol.
0: Well, I I think, Darren,
2: I would have been... I would have been furious... Had I, if I'd been required to pay money to watch this? <laughs> well, you
0: did. <laughs> Jerry to
2: Netflix, but <laughs> like no. But if I, I had, if I had to sort of pay so had movie, had movie you ticket had, prices, so you
3: didn't have to pay, but you saw it. Would you prefer it?
2: I'm not sure. I because I, I don't think there's anything particularly visual arrest visually arresting about any of the filmmaking here.
3: But mood it might have created more of that. No, dark I, I just
2: don't think. I just, I'm just not sure it would have. There was this was a visually very uninteresting movie. Um, and I, I'm not sure that the having it having it on the big screen would have would have helped at all. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I just I just there, there was there was there was so little that was visually interesting and so little that was narratively interesting that I think the the experience would have been similarly unengaging in the cinema. Mm.
0: Do you think that this film was actually originally scheduled for a cinema release and because it was so bad, they like they sold it to Netflix?
2: Well, no, knowing, the net, knowing the way Netflix works, though, I mean, Netflix, I don't think Netflix would have bought this post-production. I think Netflix would have... Netflix is now in the process of basically shepherding um, movies from inception through to release, so... Mm. If, if this is if this is done the way if this movie was made the way Extraction or The Irishman or Roma or a whole range of other Netflix films were made, then I don't think this is a case of um, an irredeemable turd that was then flicked off to that was then you know flogged to Netflix for it to to release. I think I, I think Netflix midwifed this project from. Go to woe. Uh, so, um, yeah. I, I, look, I, 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 what I what I find interesting though is that Netflix seems to be, for the, for the purpose of you know relate, releasing action movies, seems to be adapting a lot of like little known second rate, if that's second rate, it, 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 little known uh, graphic novels. Because this is based on a graphic novel, mm-hmm. so is Extraction.
0: Um, extraction and, was based on a graphic novel? Are you yeah, for real?
2: Yeah, extraction <laughs> is based on a graphic novel called Ciudad. So the mo- the the movie the the um the, the graphic novel is set not in Bangladesh but in um, South America. There's this one city that the that, that, that's the that's basically um I'm going to get the countries wrong, but it's basically the in the intersection of these three countries I forget might be Paraguay, Ecuador, and one other um, and it's set in that it's set in that setting and um, and yeah it, it is meant to be similarly violent um, but Netflix seems to be reaching for this material um, in order to presumably I suppose in order to accelerate pumping out this content so that they don't have to wait for original development of screenplays and, and so on. They can just quickly adapt these very simple um, graphic novels but I think part of that, that ha- brings with it a share of problems, not least of which is like narratively these movies don't have much to recommend them. As fun as Extraction was I mean that is basically white dude gets sent into a city to kill brown people that's the movie Um, and this movie like there's barely more there's barely any more plot even though it is potentially more high concept so um, I think um, in its rush to pump out content Netflix might be reaching for the jigs of the graphic novel slash comics world Mm. Um, and that's something to keep an eye on because
0: (laughs) if it continues it, it may be a harbinger of bad things ahead yeah so I was so I did not know that, actually, Jerry. I was about to give this film, the sole piece of praise I was going to give this film was that you know that I have a pet peeve that all Hollywood properties seem to be based on franchises, right? It's very rare for original films to be made, right? So I was like, yeah. oh, maybe Netflix is making original films here. It's like... And then you just told me that it's based on a graphic novel, so it's like, well, not really. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't even give it that piece of praise that this is based on, like, an original idea that they just decided to put on film. Um, yeah, okay. Well, yes. Okay.
2: Um, but, anything- but, but like I said, you know, sort of right now, Netflix is in pole position because it seems to be the only production house that's releasing content you know sort of all the other big movie studios their business is currently on ice because of covid19 mm. tenant has been now pulled indefinitely from movie theaters so we don't even know whether when that's going to come out um and you know with the resurgence of covid19 in california and large parts of the united states i mean don't be surprised if you know fast and furious fast nine um the new james bond movie all those things get pushed off into the never never Mm -hmm. and netflix has complete free reign it is it is the only production house that's pumping out like new content new movie content right now Mm -hmm. um and you know not even disney plus is is in a position to do that that's why they bought they bought for the the release of hamilton in order to fill up the void Mm
0: -hmm. um well so, look, in Netflix's defense, I genuinely believe it's a more interesting service than not that we're really comparing streaming services here, but it's an interesting it's a more interesting service than Disney Plus, right? Like Disney Plus you get bored with pretty soon, but at least Netflix yeah. has new interesting stuff. And to be fair to Netflix, it does bring on interesting like I mean, Mags and I quite enjoy the Eurovision film with um What's his face? Um, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yeah, I thought that was a fun film. It was like a fun, sort of heartwarming film. It wasn't a perfect film, but it was a I thought it was a good film. So, um, yeah, like it, like in even though Netflix are pumping out these films, like I think that they're probably using a volume sort of methodology here. So there's going to be some stinkers and some decent ones. So, and to be honest, with this film, we're in the minority, right? We genuinely feel that Old Guard is a massive stinker, but based on audience and critical reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, we are the huge minority, so um, it would have been interesting to have a dissenting voice on this podcast, but... (laughs) I
2: love... (laughs) (laughs) best villain
3: in an action movie
0: for decades. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, on that note, is there anything else we need to speak about tonight? I think we're pretty much done, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, thanks everyone for joining me, and we don't know when we'll be back, but um, yeah, maybe when Netflix uh, releases another film, we'll do another one.
3: You guys should watch Indian Matchmaker, which is really
0: good. <laughs> she said that this on the podcast now, so we're gonna have to watch Indian Matchmaker, whatever that is. <laughs> okay, thanks everyone. Bye.